Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pop Stars, a podcast where we talk about the star charts of our favorite pieces of pop culture. I'm Matthew Rodriguez. I'm Daniel Schrader. And today we're here to talk about the extremely beloved, extremely remembered by me film Catwoman. Yes. Starring Holly Berry. I feel like a lot of the culture that we look at is stuff that you remember, but not necessarily stuff that the culture remembers. You know, I feel like, much like Beyonce says about visuals, I feel like I am the culture. (laughs) And... (laughs) Sure you are. (laughs) You are the culture, baby. Um, And so I remember. Um, For So, I mean, I guess... I'll start by saying I saw Catwoman the weekend it came out in theaters. Wow. It was a very big deal for me. You were you were a deep Catwoman head. Yeah, I was one of the people who gave it its mediocre first weekend box office. Well, I'm glad that uh, Halle Berry could get some of your money. Um, and I also just want to say that I feel like, because Halle Berry has tweeted about this, that people have come around on Catwoman in mm. some small way. And that it wasn't, and as I'm sure you can attest having watched it, it's not as bad as people make it out to be. No. At I, all. I remember it being, like, I remember it being a train wreck. Like, I think of it in my mind the same way I think of the Spider-Man musical. Like, it was right. just garbage. But it's actually a, a pretty serviceable film. It also, I will say this, and we'll talk about this, it has a lot of ideas and a lot of things it wants to do. Mm-hmm. And it's more ambitious in a lot of ways than the average, like, superhero comic book film totally i also couldn't help but think of nip tuck as we as i watched it because there's so many similar themes well it's also i mean it's just an early 2000s movie it's just an early 2000s piece of pop culture like nip tuck that is so of its time right that it's very difficult to even like it's just so it's not timeless it is timely it is it is of its time very of its time it's also a movie that i would not have remembered sharon stone was in and you know what? Sharon Stone is eating the oh. scenery. She, oh, she She's is doing, chewing on every wall. <laughs> every, everything she can. And she can't feel any of it because of the Beoline. <laughs> the Beoline. <laughs> um, so t- you said that you had seen this once. Yeah, what? once, like way back. I don't even remember exactly when, but in high school at some point, because like it was just one of those movies that was around that I could watch. And so, yeah, it was fun, but I, I didn't remember any of it. So... You know, we just said it was early 2000s, so I ran the natal chart for this film, mm-hmm. and uh, we it they came out on July 19th, 2004, um, and we set it on the East Coast, or I I set it on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. I will take ownership, um, but I will say that this film does not tell you where it takes place. It's not Gotham, and it never says, "Oh, we're in LA," and it's just a city, right? Um, and it's a very, like, it's definitely a CGI city. They don't even use, like, a skyline that's kind of no, uh, discernible. Mm-hmm. Um, but I set it on the East Coast just because if it released, like, at midnight on that day, you know, it would have come out on the East Coast first. Totally. Perfect. I think it's a great choice. Um, so let's jump right in yes. and start with the fact that this movie is a cancer son it is it is and i really felt like it was i i didn't think that going in and i mean that's we'll get to that when we talk about the rising right but like i wasn't expecting it to be this like kind of emotional portrait of a woman it's a very moody comic book film yes um it's emotion first and 
it really does that by bringing you into like who Patience is. I mm-hmm. mean, also incredible like character name Patience so Phillips. Good. Like yes. it tells you everything you need to know about her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> By her name being Patience Phillips. Yes. I also feel like Frances Conroy was very part Ophelia of the cancer Powers. <laughs> this is, so, Feel, Ophelia Powers. You know that I remember no character's name. It's right. Colonel Sanders and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But I, Ophelia Powers stays with me forever. Well, that's because these names are names. <laughs> right, right. Um, except I, I, but it's going to be Benjamin Bratt. Oh, of course. No, it's Ben Bratt. It's the only guy whose name I don't know is the, like, is Sharon Stone's husband. Because yeah, whatever Mr. His, Mr. Hedair. There you go. <laughs> Literally the only character name I have written. <laughs> um, so yeah, m- definitely a moody film. Patience as, I mean, Patience as a person with a lot of feelings mm-hmm. that we see having to really stifle those feelings in her job um you know she's basically a makeup like a very talented artist who just like does mark who has done who's marketing. creatively unfulfilled right yeah. um and we just get to see all the ways in which she feels a lot but doesn't know how to express that it's all internal very cancerian oh yeah it is uh just running beneath the surface and i i mean i also saw it in like her trying to save the cat Oh and, yeah, uh, stuff like that. Like, yeah, she's just so sensitive, but also, but like, never wants to show her cards. Totally, yeah. Um, and also, I feel like it's like her naivete of yeah. like not really like as she like stumbles into the murder, like the plot of Beoline being bad and everything. Just like her kind of cluelessness about that, kind of like not thinking things could be terrible. And, you know, this is where I'll say that I didn't do the thing where we rehash the plot usually. So I can say that Catwoman is about a woman played by Holly Berry, Patience Phillips, who is creatively unfulfilled working at a makeup company. The makeup company is not called Beoline. I think it's called Hedare. Yes, it is. So because the owner is Hedare. And um, the owner's wife is Sharon Stone. Mm -hmm. And she is the villain of the film. And she's (gasps) kind of the... She's Hader's wife, but it's very clear that like Hader's gay or something. I don't know. Oh yeah, but like she's Hader's wife, and she was also like the original face of the company, but she's aging out of being the new face, so that's why she's murderous and evil because she's getting older. And anyway, at one point, Holly Berry has to deliver these plans to a super secret facility, and she sees that Beoline, one of their products, can kill people. <sighs> And so they have to get rid of her. And as she is flushed, after she is flushed out a pipe. Flushed down the toilet, literally. Flushed down the toilet. A cat breathes life back into her. And she becomes a cat. She's not Catwoman. She is a Catwoman. And not a cat lady, but a Catwoman. Um, Midnight is the cat that gives her mm. her powers. And, Oph- and, and Ophelia Powers is the woman who holds the mythology of the Catwoman and who kind of tells her who she is. And then Holly Berry helps goes, her feel her powers. Yes. <laughs> and her oats. Yes. And then she uh, gets revenge on Hedare. Yes. And becomes the uh, complicated hero villain that we love, Catwoman. Yes. Um, so I have so much to say about the Leo Moon. Please. Uh, I mean, for me, it's like when she becomes Catwoman. Right. And I mean, Leo is a cat. Mm-hmm. And there's so many there's Leo. So plays, much Leo. There's so much Leo. It's so funny. Yeah, the Leo kept popping up, and I was like, "Well, uh, uh, it's just the same answer over and over again in different variations." Well, it's also funny because 
this movie is very heavy on the duality of being like there is patience and there is Catwoman. Right. I mean, we even have the Venus Gemini coming up. But. Yes. And the Leo moon, like if we think of patience as the Cancer Sun mm-hmm. and Catwoman as the Leo moon, who when she becomes Catwoman becomes very Leo. Like she gets to express herself. She's confrontational. She's confrontational. She's confident. Mm-hmm. I mean, she is ostentatious in her own way. Like she's the diamond wearing thing. the leather outfit. Um, and one part that I felt was really good at showing the Cancer Sun Leo Moon part is the handwriting scene. Mm, yes. Where they basically analyze the handwriting between Patience Phillips, who wrote sorry on something, and Catwoman, who wrote sorry on something. But yes. the handwriting is very different and much more confident, and how the Y is looped all. Uh, stylistically and the guy who's doing the handwriting is like if you put these two women in a room you know I do love that like we're still in the time when handwriting was a thing that people thought they could interpret I I, I there was a time where I thought handwriting analysis was like the coolest thing <laughs> okay <world>. phrenologist <laughs> I was like that seems like a an amazing not that I wanted to be a cop, but Right. No, but this is also like the same time that like Dexter was on and we thought that blood spatter analysts were real. You know? Like Are they not real anymore? No. Oh, I cuz I mean I I I watched a lot of the staircase. Oh, yes. And that was like a case that was built for blood spatter analysis. Oh, 100%. It's <laughs> Even like though an owl did it. Oh, I I uh, the owl did it. No, there's no, no question. Oh my god! I'm sorry. We're on the same page there. I'm it's, so happy to finally meet someone who believes the owl theory. Uh huh. There's. I mean, there's no other theory that there were like, owl fibers in me. her hair. Yes, it's. It was, it was an, an owl. owl. It was 100% right. owl. Okay. <laughs> well, when we cover the staircase, <laughs> <laughs> I we won't even. I will. I think we don't. We shouldn't even cover the staircase. The HBO show. We should cover the original docu series, mm, or we should cover cover uh, the parody show Trial and Error, or the day of the like original verdict. Perfect. <laughs> and, there we like, go. Breaking down what the star chart of the verdict is and his chart. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. This <laughs> anyway. Is happening. Yes. So yeah, I thought that the handwriting analysis was very like okay. You have the Cancer Sun's handwriting, and then you have the Leo Moon's handwriting. Definitely. So this movie isn't. Aries rising. Ugh, it is. And that's that is where I like got that's what I thought it was going in and I was like, "Oh god, an Aries movie." Like, I mean, I didn't say that to myself as I was watching it, but like as I saw the Aries rising, I was like, "Of course, that's what I thought it was. I thought it was going to be like this kind of like brash too much in your faceness, and it was actually a much more thoughtful film." Which well, is weird to use the word thoughtful about this film. It is. And then also, but I think that that's what makes it such a great rising sign. Because mm-hmm. like it is on, if you only look at it on one level, it is an Aries film. Right. The oh, film, it's just a big mess. I'm kidding. Big, I'm just saying this because I know mess. you're an Aries. It's very, uh, you know, all over the place. It's very like starting. It's very... Its like, reputation is different than it actually is. Yes. 100%. And... I actually felt that, um, well, it's also the whole thing of like, you know, if you think about it as just a narrative of her becoming more independent and more Aries-like, like Mm -hmm. that's one thing. And I also think that the outfit that she wears, which is iconic, Mm. is a very Aries rising outfit. Yes. Because the idea of Catwoman as either the suit you know, is like a very like at at first when you meet me, you think I'm just gonna be this like sexy, 
Um, Because Aries are very sexy, you know, in our own way. Mm -hmm. I'm like, we're very forward about that. But really what you have is the Cancer Leo, like, underneath and all that deepness and stuff like that. So, and and actually, and I'm going to come back to this later, but the idea of it being an Aries rising on the surface and then having so much more depth is the fact that this Catwoman movie mm-hmm. wants to give Catwoman a mythology, which like no other you're very film right. yes. has ever done. Has been like, oh, there is a there's a lore to Catwoman, right? Though I will also say that like I think that this movie, unlike other Catwoman things, tries to give Catwoman like a supernatural quality to herself yes. in that I don't necessarily perceive in any other Catwoman. Well, it depends Content. on how you read Batman Returns, because there is the sense that like the cats, like came around Michelle Pfeiffer and like revived her, and okay. I think that. But I can also be honest and say that how you read that scene in Batman Returns could be colored by having watched Catwoman, <laughs> right? Like I think that they are giving a deeper meaning to the idea of like all those cats surrounding Michelle Pfeiffer. No, and I think that's actually a really great point. I like hadn't even thought about. Catwoman not having a mythos before. Yeah. Because, I mean, a lot of Batman characters do have... I mean, Mr. Freeze is someone who has... I mean, there's scientific supernatural powers, but he's, like, supernaturally... Poison Ivy supernaturally, Mm -hmm. like, went under the earth and got, you know, lips full of venom. Like, but Catwoman has not had a lore other than, oh, she's a petty thief who's, you know, like... um, And so this movie really does try to, like, draw in that circle... Definitely. Um, So here's another Leo placement that I love to talk about, which is the film is a Mercury in Leo. It is. And it is. And I think that, I mean, in many ways, when we were talking about patients before being Cancerian and not being able to communicate, it's interesting that the Leo pops up again in Mercury because I feel like everything that patients wants to communicate only happens when Catwoman enters her. Oh yeah. I mean, for me, I literally have written down like when she confronts George Hader and, and tells she him says, off Let's and try the remix. Ex- oh, when she says, let's try the remix. Oof. Ugh. What a line that is. It's either the worst or best line in the movie. <laughs> and on depending on the day, yes. you'll get a different answer from me. I mean, I, I will say I watched this twice in preparation and the first time that line didn't hit me but the second time I was like oh the remix yeah yeah it's so good no I think that she she becomes Mercury and Leo when she be I mean she becomes a Leo when she becomes Catwoman it's her moon side in so many ways and so like it makes sense that like when she becomes Catwoman that's how she communicates yeah yeah um, I love it. But uh, next up, we've got Venus and Gemini, which I think goes along with this whole like duality that we've been seeing of like her as Catwoman and then as Patience, like especially with her like relationship with Ben Bratt, where he's like, wait, am I dating Catwoman? Am I dating Patience? What's the deal? And I think it th- that even Venus and Gemini and the Mercury and Leo go together because I think she's only able to start embracing her like for Benjamin Bratt because mm. of Catwoman and being able to communicate how she feels about him once Catwoman is a part of who she is. Mm-hmm. So even, and yes, he is dating both of them. Like he, it's very, God, there's like other superhero movies where like, you know, they're dating both people. I'm, and of course they're not coming to mind right now. Well, I mean, any Superman movie, I any assume. Superman movie, yeah. it's like the oh, Spider-Man I, movie where she, he's hanging upside down and kisses. Oh wait, no. I know what I'm thinking okay. of. I'm thinking of Dr. Chase Meridian 
as played by Nicole Kidman oh in Batman God. Forever. Yes, of where course. Where she's dating both Batman and mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne. Beautiful. <laughs> I love that. And she like breaks up with Bruce and she's like, <laughs> I've met someone. And it's like, yeah, it's Batman. It's the same fucking guy. Also, like, what's the plan there? Are you going to go on a date with a man in a costume? But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Are, is he just going to put his dick through the bat suit? Like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> He's going to unzip the bat suit and fuck you, Dr. Chase Meridian. <laughs> wow. I just don't even know, need to know the logistics of that bat <laughs> costume. Um, but yes, no, I, that's exactly what I thought about. Especially, you know, the, the central romance. I actually really like the central romance of this film. Mm-hmm. I think that they have a lot of chemistry. Oh, they do. I mean, Ben Bratt is a really great leading man. Romantically. He's hot person oh no question like so hot and gets overlooked when talking about hot hollywood he men. plays a lot of hot cops yeah oh he benjamin Bratt loves a cop i mean love. yeah oh he has such a cop look <laughs> he really does yeah. yeah like the one man of color on the force <laughs> <laughs> yeah they gotta have some diversity <laughs> yeah um yeah so this movie to is another leo placement is mars and leo it and this sure is, is and i mean once again, if she learns to communicate, she also learns how to be aggressive from mm-hmm. Catwoman. And, you know, we've talked so much about Mars's passion and fire and also conflict. It also made me think about how expressive Leos are. And a lot of times during the film, more so than in other uh, superhero movies, Catwoman tends to, like, talk to the people she's beating up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, she tends to, like, have a very, like, dyadic relationship with the people that she's fighting with. And I thought about that a lot as I was writing about her Mars and Leo. But also, I remember when it, the movie came out, I was obsessed with it, and mm-hmm. I saw a lot about it. And so, in or- for the fight, the fight scenes were based on this Brazilian type of fighting that emphasizes... Oh almost like cat-like movements, but like moving very close to the floor and stuff like that. But I even thought that the idea of the fighting and the aggression being cat-like. Oh yeah, it was very interesting. There were some like moments that felt rather like CGI-esque of that like made her like move, fight movements very cat-like that were really interesting and looked almost video gamey in a way. Yes. Like, yeah, I think that her Mars in Leo definitely comes through in the fight scenes. Like I was thinking of when she like breaks the sound system at that party or whatever. Like that is a total Mars in Leo moment. Yes. Um, but also I think another Mars in Leo moment is ordering the um, the <laughs> white Russian, hold the ice, the vodka and the Kahlua. Kahlua. An iconic moment. It really is. I mean, this movie has so many iconic moments. It, it made me think, should I go to a bar and just order cream? <laughs> <laughs> and would the bartender serve you just cream? That was my That's question. That's the question. Because like, he just does it. So he's like, huh, yeah. I'd also order. just be like, we have a limited amount of cream. Yes. Like, uh, bars don't just are not bathing in cream. That was uh, my other thought is like, how many bars are stocking cream? How often do they restock? I like got really it, like, I went down the rabbit hole of like, right. How, what do bars stock and how? And right. like, is, is, is the manager going to have to go across the street to Dwayne Reed to like replace the heavy cream? Exactly. Oh, we don't have cream. We only have half and half. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's and not, she just like knocks it off the counter like a cat. <laughs> like she's like, <laughs> that would be great. That's how I would have done it. Of course. But Pitoff had different <laughs> thoughts. Oh my goodness. Um, you know, there's so much I want to say about this movie. And yeah. actually, I just want to take a break for a moment and say, did you know that this movie is responsible for the end of a Britney Spears era? 
No. I'm going to unleash this mythology on you Great. Right now. Hit me. So it's so, not just mythology of Catwoman, but also, also mythology of Britney Spears. Yes. So Britney Spears was supposed to be the sing- Her single Outrageous was supposed to be the song from Catwoman. Oh. And on the original... Do you remember when Britney Spears did a greatest hits CD and DVD called My Prerogative? Yes. So she, there was a CD and a DVD that came along with it, and I had the DVD, and it had like one minute of the outrageous video. And in the outrageous video, Britney Spears plays basketball as an ode to Holly Berry and Benjamin Bratt playing <laughs> basketball in this film. Is she as skilled, Britney? Well, Britney broke her knee playing basketball <gasps> on that set. Or not saying that she was playing basketball while dancing on that right. basketball court. She broke her knee and she shattered her knee. And after 2004, that's when Britney stops dancing as much. Because she has a knee injury that I think she's never really recovered from. Wow. And so Outrageous was never the single. and ended up being Scandalous by Mystique. Because mm-hmm. yep. Outrageous was supposed to play over that scene as well. And oh. said Scandalous plays. And that completely changed Britney's career. Wow. It, it shattered her future. She yeah. needed to take a different path. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yes, I just wanted to bring That's that great. in here that Britney was Britney was supposed to be a part of the Catwoman lore and she is that and is it is a part of her lore, but it's not the yeah. way that most people know. I had no idea. Well, thank you for that fact. Yeah. It's very useful. So from from one powerful white woman to another, I think that Jupiter and Virgo is Ophelia Powers. Oh, yes. I think so that right. she is the Jer- Jupiter and Virgo of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Jupiter, as the biggest planet, is all about growth and change and our fortunes and our luck and all this stuff. And I feel like Ophelia is the person who, like, forces uh, her to grow. Mm-hmm. And Virgos, yes, there is, like... but. Th- there's a power, a quiet power in Virgos. And also, um, it's like the very, I mean, Virgos are like the woman of the Zodiac. Right, they're, they're maternal, like Very power. maternal. It's like that, it's the quiet power and it's the, yes, the, the gentle maternal thing. Right. And Ophelia Powers is that, like she kind of allows patients to find her destiny and then eventually has to be the mother bird who pushes her out of the nest and mm-hmm. over the ledge literally to yeah. find out that she is a cat um i will say real quick just this made me think of because i as i rewatched as i watched the movie twice um the scene where she, holly berry is on the ledge of yes. and she's standing on what is clearly just an ac unit yeah as it falls it then like slides out the window and it's like three feet long of yeah. an ac unit i'm just like what is this like what is this thing where is it how is it in a window because it is way too long i don't understand anyway sorry that is not anything about (laughs) this it's just you saying the ledge thing made me think of that um no it's actually just funny because there's a window unit near my apartment that i always pass that looks way too long from the outside and it makes me laugh when i look at it and now when i look at it i'm gonna think about and it's also only on the first floor but i'm gonna Mm. think about like patients standing on top of it i love that um um i will say though like you saying about like uh Ophelia being the and have we said that Ophelia is played by Frances Conroy because that makes a oh, the character exactly They're, like it's no they, one else could play her right. I feel like like they wanted the Frances Conroy effect yes and they got it oh um, they got it I yeah. think that like also the whole like Virgo feminine energy is also like the whole feline energy of like oh, yes. the Jupiter in Virgo is her like getting infused with the feline female power and becoming the 
adding the cat to her woman. Well, the movie is also about like it's very like I'm a woman in a male dominated. I mean, though it's it's a beauty company, right? But it is a male dominated world mm-hmm. uh, with George Hader and <laughs> the only movie I remember full names for. <laughs> um, and it's kind of like Ophelia being like you're being marginalized, you're being subjugated, mm-hmm. but the the way to get past that is not to like be more masculine, it's to be more feminine. Right. Um, it's to like tap into that power. And you did see that when she throws all the pictures of the cat women that Michelle Pfeiffer is there. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Oh yeah. So one of the one of the sh- shots where she throws all the pictures, like Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman is part of them. Thank God. So she li- they link the lore. So yes, all uh, everything is connected. Imagine if Francis Conroy was in Tim Burton's Batman Returns. <sighs> that would be. She would have been so fucking. That would incredible. be so good. Yeah. Let's remake it. <laughs> Where are you, Tim? A full. We're gonna reboot the Batman's, but just Batman Returns. That's that's it. it. Uh, honestly, though, I'd be here for it. Yeah. Um. So next up, this movie is a Saturn in Cancer, and so. Cancer is about like hierarchies and discipline and all this stuff. I was thinking about this in terms of, and this is one of the gripes that I have with the movie. And it's, um, I mean, as opposed to a lot of superhero movies where, you know, it's, Oh, I basically have to stop like this whole city from being ruined. Mm -hmm. And it's this big quandary. Like, this movie is about an internal journey, and it's also about, like, oh, my... F- Alex Bornstein is getting sick. Ugh, we haven't even talked about Alex Bornstein I know, yet. we do. Alex Bornstein's getting sick, and, like, I need to stop people from getting sick, and I need to, like, get revenge on my boss. Like, it's a very small movie. It's ambitious in other ways, in the art, in the way it's made, but at the end of the day, it's also, like, a very small superhero story. Right. Which I don't want to knock it for, because now that we're in fucking, like, multiverse everything, like, I do wish we had small superhero stories again. But, um, you know, the fact that it's a female-led superhero movie, and they were like, you should fight a makeup company. Yeah. It's very, like... But I I do feel like... It's very the remake of Stepford Wives. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I felt like the mission of the movie was it's Saturn and Cancer was that it was really about like how like her own friends were being affected by Beoline and stuff like that. Definitely. I also saw it in like her like struggling to keep her identity secret mm. and like figuring out if it is a secret identity or just a part of her and like trying to integrate that and also just the whole like dying and being reborn as Catwoman. Um, that all felt very Saturn like in cancer the the saturn return for her is her being reborn as catwoman oh yeah um, so yeah that's really how what i perceived um let's talk about alex borstein <sighs> the comic relief of the film what a delight to see her there i like didn't know I, there are so many people i didn't know were in this movie and then i was like oh thank god they're here like <laughs> they just made it fun she was a perfect sidekick well you know what else is very saturn cancer i think is the fact that both the and the protagonists and the antagonists of this movie are like going purely off of emotion. Mm-hmm. Like Sharon Stone is just hurt. Like that is her character. Is she is just like even though she can't feel it, she can't feel it. She's not physically hurt. She's emotionally hurt. Physically, she's a face of marble. Well, until the end where she kills herself because she doesn't look pretty anymore. 
very nip tuck. <laughs> very nip tuck. I mean, she would have gone and, and they would have been like, tell us what you like about yourself. And she would have said, Catwoman slashed my perfect <laughs> face. And they were like, we can't operate on you. It's like trying to put a needle through marble. <laughs> and she says, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, no. Alex Borstein was great. Her. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> perfect. Um, but yeah, no, Alex Borstein's perfect. She gets the role. She gets what it is. Mm-hmm. She's horny. Yes. She she understands how much of the plot she has to drive forward herself. Um, with the whole, like, she's she's the foreshadowing of everything that's to come with Beoline. Did you notice at Hader, there's that one early 2000s gay man who, like, has that one line. Oh, yes. Men yes. meet at, like, 12 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And... Early 2000s... That would have been us. Gay, <laughs> early 2000s, just horny gay man with one line. That's a whole nother podcast. It really where is. Where we just go through early 2000s we depictions just talk of about, gay and talk about them. Yes, we just talk about different gay one-liners. Yeah. I love it. Um, so this movie is a Uranus and Pisces. Yes. Um, I had to look up stuff for this, because I, I didn't know exactly... I always feel like the last three planets for us are a real... Uh, yeah, I mean, well, they, they're not saying things that are as individual. They're definitely trying to say larger things. Um, and for me, I saw it as, like, trying to take down the beauty industry and, like, trying to, uh, like, consider other ways of thinking about yourself as beautiful. Well, so that's the thing about this p- placement is that I do think that one one of the phrases that came up when I when I was researching this was a herald of change, and I mm-hmm. do think that that is part of that. But then also with the last three placements, I do sometimes try to think about like the piece, what the piece of culture was doing as well. Mm-hmm. And this is where I also think of it as like the movie that tries to give Catwoman a mythology. Yeah. This is really where I think that comes in and like trying to deepen that lore, make her a person, and especially with the Pisces placement as being like a sign of wisdom, the end of the Zodiac. Like, I think that they're really tapping into like this, like ancient wisdom aspect of Catwoman. Like, Oh, the Egyptians worshiped cats. And like, there's always mm-hmm. been cat women. Uh, always been cat. Women. There's always been. Cat women. <laughs> um, and then of course, Neptune and Aquarius, which it's funny. I think we sometimes talk about the signs that we know less about. I am less versed in Aquariuses. I feel mm. like I don't know as many Aquariuses. I know a, I know too many Aquariuses. Oh, oh interesting. Can exhausting. you tell me a little bit more about Aquarius? Yeah, I mean, so Aquarius is all about like they're all about being intellectual and stuck in their head, but they're weird and they're out there. They're like Aquariuses believe in aliens. Type. Of, <laughs> that's kind of how I think about it. And so um, for me, it was like the detachment because mm. that's also a very like. Um, Aquarius thing is like the detachment from like feeling or like so like the detachment between her two selves and like not being able to like not necessarily like being able to navigate those two selves like or I mean being able to like integrate those two selves very well and kind of like not knowing how to it's funny you know that you mentioned intellectual because when this film came out the director who has not directed, who's like directed like one movie since, and oh, it's like wow. a TV movie or something. His name, so he's a French, he's actually a French visual effects supervisor. Hmm. And so he, that's why the movie is so visually doing a lot. Like that's it where is. his mind is. 
Um, but when you go back and watch old interviews of Holly Berry and Benjamin Brad and all of them talking about the movie, like they talk about it very deeply and like how it wants to do more than the average superhero movie. And like, there are a lot of shots of like mirrors and identity things. And, and I think that the movie has a lot of ideas and it's high minded and it wants to be high minded intellectual. I just don't think that Pitoff had the chops to execute out on that right but i do think that it is a movie that lives in the realm of ideas and intellectualization of like superhero stuff well and i think that that's actually an interesting way to put it because like thinking about neptune is like the planet of like illusion and stuff like that and um so kind of the uh think and now i'm thinking of like the illusion of beauty Mm. and like that uh is this is staying like marble beautiful or is it not type of thing and like kind of reinterpreting what beauty is totally so yeah um and then the finally we have the pluto and sagittarius and these is such a complicated placement because i feel like pluto is all subconscious and sagittarius is not really subconscious like it's about the doing and the moving forward and Mm -hmm. the um kind of like grabbing it but i also love these two placements because i or like this placement in this planet because i feel like this movie wants to be very deep and subconscious but it's Mm -hmm. also very visual and very um ambitious in the way that it wants to tell a superhero story definitely i think that it like uh is interested in taking apart some of the I mean I continue to go back to like the beauty standards of it all but like it's yeah. interested in taking apart the beauty standards but it's not like it's it's not like the movie is doing that so obviously like we're we're I mean it is yeah know, but like it's it as you've said already like it's a small story it's a story about like one specific company like and this villain behind it and not like reimagining what beauty is in a larger sense in the world and but in a way it is doing that mm-hmm. even if it's not like doing that just in the story itself does that make sense well i mean and like i said with these last few planets i do like to think about it larger but it's mm-hmm. also doing that in terms of like casting a black woman as the lead of a superhero movie yeah like isn't it also asking us to accept uh something besides Michelle Pfeiffer or a white woman is Catwoman. Like, isn't it also, you know, doing all those and, and asking us to, to take like two people of color as the lead in like a tent pole blockbuster movie. Yeah. Which at the time was like a very big part of like its DNA was like, we're going to have a black Catwoman and a Latinx cop super, uh, you know, main love interest. Totally. No, I think that that's a really great point. So which placement did you feel kind of like illuminated the movie most for you? I mean, the Leo moon, I'm, but the, all the Leo, but the Leo moon. All the Le- I was going to say Leo Mercury, but also, yeah, it's just yeah. like the Leoness of it all seeing, even as it's a cancer, seeing how much Leo informs it and then it being a cat movie and all like, I just felt like the Leoness of it all was really on point. Yeah. Which I think is so funny because it's a cancer movie, but we're talking about it also in Leo, like, like cancer to Leo season. Like, yeah, it was like near the cusp. Right. So I think that like, that's so funny that there is so much Leo in it, even though it's a like cancer movie. It's a perfect bridge for us. A perfect bridge. (laughs) Which I mean, she also makes that at one point. Of course. Uh, but also, we should talk about Sharon Stone a little bit. Yes. 
because there wasn't any placement where I felt like this is the Sharon Stone placement. Mm -hmm. And she's, it's so funny. Like while it's very ambitious, like we always talk about it being small, there's ways it's ambitious and then there's ways it's small. And one of those small ways is like the literal final fight of the movie is like a cat fight. Oh, a total two women. It's so funny because also like somehow Sharon Stone is now also a superhero in a way because like of the Beoline, it has made her like indestructible, but it's like, yeah, so this is now like a superhero fight. Right. Like, and, and it's the, and the only way that she can fight is by lifting up like a lead pipe and kind of like hitting Mm -hmm. Holly Berry with it. Mm -hmm. But the final shot of, Sharon Stone ricocheting and falling to oh, her death. Where yes. it's like a little tiny doll that's like falling. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorite shots of the movie. But yes, Sharon Stone is eating up the girls. She's having a great time. I like didn't remember she was in it, but as soon as I saw it with Sharon Stone, I was like, no one else could play this. No. It's her role. It's full of a lot of people in the movie who are like, they are perfectly cast, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Francis Conroy and Sharon Stone and Alex mm-hmm. Borstein, like, they're all... Do- and I'm obviously Holly Berry, Benjamin Pratt. And like, even the guy who do- plays George Day or whatever his name is. Like, he's, yeah. he's great as that slimy creep that you do think is the villain. Yes. Like, he's great at, like, being sold as that. And I think that Sharon Stone plays the naivete of her own self great i think that obviously we are not dumb enough but she pulls an over she pulls the wool over halle berry's eyes for sure and that's understandable because she's just like sharon fucking stone yeah all right well this was great yeah. enjoyed this conversation enjoyed watching this movie thank you if Matthew. you want to watch catwoman it is right now on max not hbo max no, r.i.p hbo R. but it's on max yeah so make sure to check it out and if you haven't already make sure to like review and subscribe this podcast and you can find us on instagram at popstarspod. that's right please follow us like subscribe uh tell your friends about it and we will talk to you next week bye